to go out and truly be a light in this world, a light in this community. And we pray that everything that's said and done would lead us closer toward being a church that really does make disciples who then can go and make disciples all around the world. I pray it could start right here this morning in my heart and our hearts, that you would receive all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. Man, it's great to have you here with us at Grace Church, and those are some powerful words that we just sung, I surrender all. It's easy to sing, right? Easy to sing it, easy to say it. It's a completely different ball game when it comes to living it out. I surrender all. This morning, we're starting a four-week series called Generosity. This is the good life. Generosity. This is the good life. You know, I was blessed and I was fortunate enough to grow up in a home where generosity was modeled in front of me, where generosity was lived out in front of me. My parents are both very generous people. I can't tell you how many times um, my dad would just give stuff away. I think if, uh, if he had the choice, if, if my mom probably didn't keep him, he probably would have given his children away, right? But he just gave stuff away. He gave his cars away. He gave money away. gave food away. I can't remember uh, uh, many holidays where there wasn't other people sitting around the table enjoying a meal with us. Uh, just a very generous mindset. It was modeled in front of me. It was lived out in front of me. It, it uh, was easy for me to follow in those footsteps. Because I saw it work. I saw God bless. I saw God provide. We never went without. But I know for many, generosity is a very difficult thing. Because maybe you didn't grow up in a home where it was modeled in front of you. Maybe you grew up in a home where it wasn't a generous atmosphere. My uh, dad used to always tell me, when it came to helping people in need, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell, man. Am I, am I getting taken right here? If I give this person some money, if I give them some food, do they really need it? Are they going to use it to go buy some beer or whatever? And his saying was, I always want to err on the side of generosity. If I'm kind of uh, conflicted and I'm not sure, I'm going to err on the side of generosity. You know, I know for many of us, it's, it's a difficult thing to be generous. It's a difficult thing to talk about money in a church setting. It's a difficult thing because uh, many churches have abused, many pastors have abused uh, the, the teaching of generosity, the teaching of giving. It's a difficult thing for a pastor to kind of embark and to, to, uh, to even approach a topic like this. Quick story, some friends of mine. Uh, a couple years ago, I was preaching on something very similar in regards to generosity, in regards to giving, and some friends of mine were attending Grace, and they actually stopped coming. They stopped coming because I was talking about money, I was talking about giving, I was talking about tithing. And they didn't like it. They didn't want to hear about it anymore. That's what every church talks about. So let me just 
ask you this morning, why in the world would I want to approach a topic like this again, knowing that it has the chance to run some of you off? Why in my right mind would I want to go through the brain damage of doing such a thing? Why would I do that? You know why I'm going to do that? Because when I became a pastor, I made a commitment to God that I am going to preach and teach His Word as it is to people as they are. And I'm not afraid or shy about that commitment. And I'm going to stick to that commitment. And that's why we're going to talk about generosity. We're going to talk about giving, even though it may give me a couple more gray hairs. All right? I also want you to know, church, I don't know what somebody said, but you just watch it. I got the microphone, Mr. Retz. Actually, on that note, my older brother doesn't have any gray hair in his beard. And twice now, in the last two weeks, people have said, oh, is that your younger brother? I'm like, can I smack you upside the head? Okay. We're derailing here. We're getting off the track. Okay, here's where I'm at. I want you to know that as we talk about generosity, as we dive into this morning, I really want us to understand the why. Where did this concept of giving, of tithing, where did it even originate? Where did it come from? Where do we find it in the Scriptures? And I want us to understand the why behind generosity, the why behind giving. But church, more important than that, I want you to know that I am attempting with everything in me to to teach and to preach this message this morning in love. I am speaking it in love. I don't want you to feel guilty. I'm not trying to put you in a guilt trip. I don't want you to give out of guilt. I don't want you to be generous out of guilt. Neither does God. I'm trying to communicate some truths to you, some principles that are for you. We're not trying to get something from you. We're trying to get something for you. These principles are so powerful and so true. So I wanted you to know from face to face, okay, from my heart to your heart, I am speaking this in love. I'm going to speak it as gently and as kindly and as lovingly as I know how. But I'm also making a commitment to you that I'm going to speak it boldly, fearlessly, and courageously this morning. So let's uh, get into the message. God says, do it my way. It doesn't make sense sometimes, but he says, do it my way. I'm God. Do it my way. Trust me. It'll work out. So let's see what God has to say about being generous with our finances. Today I want to share with you one of the most important principles in my life that I learned when I was a child. And I have followed this principle throughout my life. It is the principle of keeping God first. Keeping God first. We'll be looking at a story in Exodus chapter 13. And I know this is an Old Testament passage, but it's in the Bible. And this is a principle that you will see throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is the principle of putting God first in our lives. And when God is first, when God is first, church, please hear this. When God is first, everything comes into order. I'm not saying that you'll never have a difficulty or that you'll never struggle, that you'll never have hard times. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that everything comes into order 
when you put God first. But when God is not first, everything is out of order. Everything goes to chaos very quickly. Let me show you this passage in Exodus chapter 13. We begin in verse 1. It says, sanctify. Okay, that's a big fancy word that means set aside. Set aside. Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. Now this phrase, it is mine, is is very strong language in the Hebrew. Hebrew was the original language of the Old Testament. And it means, it belongs to me. God says, it belongs to me, it is my property. That's what he means when he says, it is mine. And this Hebrew phrase is in the Bible multiple times. I'll show you a few other places. But he says, the firstborn belongs to me. It's my property. It belongs to me. It's mine. Let's skip down to verses 12 and 13. It says, You shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Verse 13. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. In other words, you're going to lose it anyway. If you don't do this, if you don't follow this principle, every firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. This is the principle of the first. This is the principle of the first. The firstborn is sanctified or redeemed. Okay, so if you were a rancher and you had animals, when your animal had a firstborn, if it was a clean animal, you had to sacrifice that animal to the Lord. If it was an unclean animal, you had to redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean animal. That's why he uses a lamb representing a clean animal, and he uses a donkey representing an unclean animal. I'm going to close in prayer. All right? This is. Seriously, like, what in the world? Does this mean for us today? Hey, what is this talking about? What does this mean? I want you to understand that all of these principles in Scripture represent something for us today as followers of Jesus Christ. Remember, if the animal is clean, it has to be sacrificed. If it's unclean, if the animal is unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean animal. What does that mean? This is weird. Let me ask you a couple questions. Were you and I, okay, you and I, and I'm talking about our spiritual condition now. Were you and I born clean or unclean? Ah, yeah, somebody talked back, good. It's okay to talk back in church. We were born unclean. Okay, the Bible says we were all born in sin. We were all born with a sin nature. We were born with a bent towards sin or doing the wrong things or going the wrong direction. To prove that fact, I'm going to ask the experts 
in the room this morning. I'm going to ask all the parents in the room this morning, okay? Did you have to teach your children to be bad? No. Okay? If you don't believe in this principle and you don't have children, have a child, wait till they get to about two years old, and you will believe this principle. Okay? They were born unclean. You don't have to teach your children to be bad. It comes naturally. It comes naturally for us to do the wrong things. We don't have to sit our children down and teach them how to lie. It just happens because they were born unclean. What we do have to do is teach our children to be good and to teach our children to follow Christ. We were all born unclean, okay? So the second question is this. Was Jesus, okay, feel free to respond. Helps you stay awake, okay? Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Clean. All right. He was born clean. Okay, listen to me. Okay, listen. Don't ever forget what I'm about to tell you. The clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read. It was represented all the way back in the book of Exodus. The clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. I'll take this even further. When we understand that Jesus is God's firstborn, maybe maybe you've never understood this, maybe you've never even thought of it, but Jesus is God's tithe. Jesus is God's tithe. God didn't say, wait until you have ten sheep and then give me one of them. And if you want to, you can give me the one that's real sick and only has one leg. No, he didn't say that. He said, give me the first one before you have any more, and then the rest is blessed. Or the rest will be redeemed. When we talk about tithing, it's the first 10%. It's the principle of faith that brings the blessing into our lives. Okay, we don't wait to pay our bills to see if there's enough left over for God. We give Him the first 10%, and then God blesses the rest. This is the principle of keeping God first. God said, you give me the first in faith, and then I will bless the rest. And that's why I say that Jesus was God's tithe, because God didn't wait to see if we would clean ourselves up before He gave His Son. God gave Jesus first. He gave Him. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, okay, we were unclean. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us when we were mocking Him, when we were spitting on Him, when we were nailing Him to a cross. Jesus is God's tithe. In Romans, it says that God gave Jesus in hope that we would believe. Okay? He didn't wait. He didn't wait, and that's why, uh, and that's the way it is when we tithe. Okay? We don't wait to see if God is going to bless us. Okay, Pastor, I'm just going to wait and see if God blesses me, and then I'll tithe. That's not faith, church. That's not faith. Faith is. I will give God the first portion of my income 
And then that's what triggers the rest to be blessed. That's why here at Grace Church, we're not afraid to do a 90-day tithe challenge. 90-day, 190-day, 60 years, whatever you want to do, tithe challenge. We're not afraid to do that. You tithe for 90 days, and if you don't see God come through in a miraculous way, okay, if you don't see God work in your finances somehow, some way, we'll give your money back to you. Please hear me. I have seen such benefit. This is why God says in Malachi, He says, test me. The only place in the Bible where God says you can test Him. There's no other area but in the area of tithing. There's no other area where permission is given for us to test God but in the area of tithing. God says, test me and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing on you that you will not be able to receive it. And then the next verse says, and. And, it's kind of like, if you call right now, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. It doesn't even say for the kingdom's sake. It says, for your sake, I will, God will rebuke the devil on your behalf. It's incredible. It's amazing. You, you know the number one reason people tell me why they don't tithe? It's not because they don't believe it. It's not because they don't believe in God or they don't love God. The number one reason is they say, Pastor, I, I cannot afford to tithe. I can't afford it. Can I just declare a guilt-free zone, okay, for just a moment and speak a reality to you? You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because tithing is what rebukes the enemy. Every time you think you're about to get ahead, something else breaks, right? Tithing breaks the curse off your life. And we live in a world that's cursed. And God is not cursing us, by the way. Please hear me on that. Please understand that God is not cursing us. The world is cursed because of sin. Because of our wrongdoing. What God wants to do is He wants to redeem us. He wants to save us. He wants to deliver us out from under the curse. And that includes our finances. So the firstborn is sacrificed or redeemed. And this is a principle that goes all throughout Scripture. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Exodus 23 19 says, The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring. Okay, please notice the word bring. Okay, circle that word, underline that word. You shall bring it into the house of the Lord thy God. And notice where you bring the tithe. 
into the house of the Lord. We don't tithe to a Christian school, a Christian university, or a Christian ministry. We do give offerings over and above our tithe to other ministries, but we bring the first 10% into the house of the Lord. And I want you to notice the word bring. Because God never uses the word give when He talks about tithing. Because you cannot give something that does not belong to you. It doesn't belong to you. It's God's. And He says, bring it back. You can only bring it to the house of the Lord. This principle goes all throughout Scripture. Think, think about when the children of Israel went into the promised land. And as soon as they went in, God said, bring all the silver and all the gold from the city of Jericho into the house of the Lord. Why did He say that? Why, why would God say, bring all the silver, bring all the gold from that city into the house of the Lord? Why didn't He say, conquer ten cities and then give me one? Why did He say, bring all the gold and silver from Jericho? Here's why. Because Jericho was the first city. If you bring the first, the rest is blessed. This principle is all throughout Scripture. Okay, what about this one? This is one of my favorite examples. Why did God accept Abel's offering, but reject Cain's offering? If you don't know the story, the children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, they both brought an offering to the Lord. The Lord accepted Abel's offering, but He rejected Cain's offering. Why? Remember, the firstborn belongs to God and the first fruits belong to God. So let's read this example of Cain and Abel and let's see why God didn't accept Cain's offering. Watch, you'll see it. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. And in the process of time, okay, that's a very important phrase, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering. Notice you didn't see the word first. He brought an offering unto the Lord. He didn't bring first fruits. Verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings. That's of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had no respect. Okay, so Abel is a rancher and he brings the firstborn. Cain is a farmer, but he doesn't give his first fruits. He gives an offering in the process of time. Let me say it another way. He gave what he wanted when he wanted to give it. Do you know how many Christ followers still do that to this day? I'll give what I want when I want to give it. But we don't say it that way. We, we put it this way. Pastor, I'm going to give as I feel led to give. There's usually a, like a cheese smile afterwards. It's like... It's not that God didn't accept Cain's offering. Okay, I'm going to take it a little bit further theologically. 
God couldn't accept Cain's offering because it wasn't first. There are some things that God cannot do. He cannot do something that is outside of His character. For example, God cannot change. That's called the immutability of God. God cannot change, and I'll tell you very simply why He can't change. God can't change because if He could change, He could get better, and He can't get better because He's best. He can't get any better, so He cannot change. Let me tell you something else that God cannot do. God can never be second. He can never be in second place. God may be in second place in your heart and in your mind, but that doesn't make Him second. This is called the preeminence of God. He is higher than all, above all, and first of all. God is first. He can never be second. God's first And He will always be first. God cannot be second. Please hear me on this. When you give an offering, and it's not the first, He cannot accept it. He cannot accept it. Because He's first. And when He's first in our lives, everything comes into order. So the firstborn is sacrificed or redeemed. The first fruit is offered and the tithe is first. Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30 says, And and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's the same Hebrew wording. It belongs to God. It's His. It belongs to Him. It's His property. We can't take it. It is holy unto the Lord. Okay, so how does this... How does this work practically? Let me give you an example, okay? It's a mathematical example, but don't uh, tune me out, okay? It won't last very long. Let's say, let's say you own a landscaping company. And I call you and I say, hey, I would love to have some landscaping done on my property. And, and you come to my house and, and I tell you, you know, I want this many trees and I want this many flower beds and can you put some rocks there? And I kind of tell you what I want to do and you give me a bid and your profit is going to be $1,000, okay? $1,000. So I need you to use your imaginations because I didn't have $100 bills. So we're going to pretend like these are $100 bills, okay? I got 10 $1 bills, but pretend. Pretend like they're $100 bills, okay? Randy wouldn't give me $100 bills. Uh, So I agree to your bid, and... Let's say that I pay that $1,000 profit to you in cash. Okay, I pay it in cash. I give you uh, one $100, oh, I'm sorry, 10 $100 bills. $1,000, okay? So let me ask you two questions about that. Remember the word tithe in Hebrew means one-tenth or 10%. So you, you have $1,000 in your hand. And the first question is, how much do you tithe? You can say a little bit louder, it's okay. 100, okay? That's 100, remember we're pretending. It's 100. Okay, so here's the second question. You have 10 $100 bills. How do you know which one is the first one? 
if you have ten of them. You know the first one because it's the first one to leave your hand. The first one to leave your hand is the first. And that's the one you give to God. You give Him the first. In other words, you don't go home and say, okay, I'm going to set some aside for the mortgage. I'm going to set some aside for the car, some for the groceries. And here is God's part. No, that's not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company because they got the first. Don't give God's part to the mortgage company because the mortgage company doesn't have the power to bless your finances. But God does. Some people will say, here's some for my bills, here's some for my groceries, here's some for the rent, here's some for clothing. And oh, gosh, there's not enough left over for God. Can can I tell you something in love? Remember, I'm, I'm trying to communicate this gently, kindly, in love. He wouldn't have received that offering anyways. Because he doesn't receive leftovers. He's not a dog. He doesn't get the scraps from our table. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he deserves the best and the first. He's much more worthy than that. He receives the first. Church, let me ask you, is God first in your heart? And let me go, let me say too, I'm not legalistic about this. Please don't take this in a legalistic way. Okay, if I get paid and gosh, we, it's not the first to leave my hand. We're not legalistic about it. But Trisha and I, we do our best. The first check we write, the first $100 bill out of my hand, we are doing our best to give it to God. But it's a heart issue. Is God first in your heart? Let me show you one more scripture back in Exodus 13. Remember when he said, you sacrifice the firstborn or you redeem the firstborn, okay? We stopped at verse 13, but let's read verse 14. And it shall be when thy son asks thee in time to come, saying, what is this? In other words, like, Dad, why are you doing this? Why are you killing all the firstborn? Why are you doing this? You shall say to him, By the strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Okay, I, I want to be under God's blessing, not under His curse. Therefore, or this is the reason... This is why I sacrifice to the Lord all that open the womb, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And this is is incredible. This is what God says in essence. He says, how you handle your finances is going to directly affect your children. You're going to have teaching opportunities with your children. And He explains to them, how to teach your children. 
Okay, so just, just picture this with me for just a moment. Picture a little Jewish boy running into his house and he says, Mom, Dad, the sheep is having a lamb. Come on, come check it out, Mom and Dad. The sheep is having a lamb. It's her first. So they all run out of the kitchen and kind of excited and they run out to the barn. But Dad, on the way out of the kitchen, picks up the butcher knife. They all go out there and they're all in enthralled with the miracle of life. Oh, look at the little lamb. Look at the precious little lamb. Oh, look, 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 it's about to stand up. Oh my goodness, oh, and everybody's just oohing and on. How sweet. Look at the precious little lamb. And then the dad goes over and he grabs the lamb by the hind legs and he cuts its throat. The, the little boy is watching this. You know what the little boy is thinking right now? Don't mess with that. That's what he's thinking. I don't know what that little lamb did, but I'm not going to do that. As this little boy grows up, okay, picture this with me. You can see the scene. And dad keeps doing this again and again and again with all the firstborn of his livestock. One day, the dad's out in the field and the boy goes out to his dad. Maybe he's in his late teens, you know, 19, 18, I don't know. But he finally kind of musters up enough courage and he asks his dad, Dad, I've noticed that every time one of our animals has a firstborn, you... uh, how, how shall I say this? You, you kill it. You kill it, Dad. Dad, last year, you killed 76 animals. Do you, do you realize how much that's impacting our business, Dad? How much more profit we could get if we kept those animals? Dad, do you not understand this? Why are you doing this? You can see that father saying to his son, Hey, buddy, I need, to, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you something about our family that you, that you don't know. We weren't always in the ranching business. We didn't have any sheep, son. As a matter of fact, we were slaves. We were in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us. And son, that's why I gladly give God the firstborn of all our animals because everything we have comes from God. This was written 4,000 years ago. But you know what? It happened to me. My wife and I, we try to meet on a weekly basis and we go over our calendar, uh, we go over our finances and we had already written our tithe out to the Lord. And one of my boys came up and out of the corner of his eye, he noticed the check and he saw the amount and to a child it was a large sum. And he said, Dad, why, why do you give so much money to the church? 
And I remembered the scripture. And I said, buddy, I need to tell you something about your daddy that you probably don't know. Your daddy wasn't always a Christian. And your daddy, your daddy was a very bad man. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered your daddy out of the bondage of sin. Son, that's why I gladly give to God the first of all my finances. That's why I give to God my best. I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads and to close your eyes this morning. And Would you just, in this moment, would you just ask the Lord in your heart, you don't have to say it out loud, just in your heart, ask the Lord and say, God, what are you trying to say to me through this message? Just ask Him that. You can talk to Him just like that. Lord, what, what are you trying to say to me? And the Lord might speak something to you right now. He might speak something to you later on this week. But, but here's what I'm asking you. Will you put God first in your finances? Will you put God first in your marriage, in your parenting, in your life? When you put God first, and we're focusing in on the area of finances right now, just watch what He does. Watch what He does. He'll blow you away. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us. We all struggle in different areas, and we've all struggled in this area, in the area of being generous, in the area of finances, in the area of giving you our best. Lord, will you help us to always put you first in every area of our lives and in the area of our finances. Help us to understand the principle of the first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.